Hi, this is Mojgan Tosif. Welcome to the Family of Virtues podcast. Excellent. Loud and clear. Lovely. I'm excited. Okay. <laughs> All right. So here we go. Now I'm going to do my bit. Thank you for joining me on the Family of Virtues podcast. I would like to take this opportunity to thank our listeners from all over the world who are tuning into these podcasts week in, week out from over 20 different countries now. Your support and encouragement is invaluable to us. You can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and Podchaser. For more information, please head to familyofvirtues.com slash rate. That's familyofvirtues.com slash rate. Please leave us a review. Let us know how we're going. In addition, our website now has a voicemail feature. That's right. So please head to familyofvirtues.com, click on the little microphone button in the bottom right and leave us a voice note. It would really mean something to me to hear from some of you from so many parts of the world. You can ask me a question, leave a review, say whatever you like, and I may use your voice in a future episode unless you advise me not to, of course. Please remember to subscribe to Family of Virtues on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Subscribing allows you to get notified whenever new episodes launch, so it is really helpful. And lastly, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Family of Virtues. Hello, listeners, and welcome once again to the Family of Virtues podcast. It's always a pleasure to have you here, and I honor you for your commitment towards your children and your families as you keep tuning in to listen to our reflections and our wonderful guests as they share their experience and wisdom with all of us. I'm honored to invite on our podcast today someone I have come to know only recently in the past three to four years, if my memory serves me correctly, but I feel like as if I have also known her for many, many more. Such is her grace and humility as she guides parents and teachers around our region towards living a life of potential through the virtues. Moshgan Tosif is the founder of the World of Virtues and a master facilitator for the Virtues Project. She believes in helping people to live empowered and enriched lives using the virtue strategies. She is driven to be of service to others, awakening their knowledge of their own inner qualities of character and assisting them to see the good in themselves and others. Having shared the world of virtues for more than 25 years around the world, Mojgan is now based in Melbourne and shares the Virtues Project through online resources, workshops, and trainings. She is dedicated to communicating the essence of the virtues to others. Mojgan, what an honor, what an absolute honor it is to have you on our podcast. Welcome. Thank you, Richard. It's a pleasure. Yeah, Mojgan, we are here today to discuss the topic of communication between families. But before we do that, we like to do a virtues pick, as you will very well know. So I'm going to be reading the virtues pick or the virtues card for tact. And just a reminder to everyone, you can access these cards from virtuesproject.com or through an app called Virtues Cards as well. And I'll put information in the episode descriptions. Tact. Tact is telling the truth kindly. We think before we speak, aware of how deeply our words affect others. When our words are weighty, we weigh our words, knowing they have power to cause pain or to uplift. A harsh word to an intimate is like a grain of sand in their eye. An encouraging word can fill them with confidence. Tact is essential when we feel strong emotions like anger. It helps us discern what to say and what is better left unsaid. Tact is good timing. It is the diplomacy of the heart. Such powerful statements there, Moshkan. Would you like to reflect on that for me? I love that you pick tact. It's one of those virtues that we kind of don't pay much attention to. However, as you were reading, I was thinking how important this virtue is, especially when it comes to our children and people that are very close to us, especially right. when it says that a harsh word can, can a harsh word to an intimate is like a grain of sand in their eyes, and an mm. encouraging word can fill them with confidence. And uh, this is so special in a way of 
reminding ourselves how we speak mm. to our children on day-to-day mm. basis. Um, mm. So it's a really powerful virtue, I find, um, yeah, um, for absolutely. us as a reminder. Yeah, and to think, Moshgan, like I feel I've read this somewhere. I, I can't quote any research or anything, but just generally, one of the major problems in this world is communication, whether you're looking at you know employer to employee or you're looking at communication between governments, communication between, you know, spouses and parent and children. And a lot of things go south when we aren't able to communicate, you know, our feelings or, or our ideas in, 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 I guess, a respectful way, in a diplomatic way. And so many relationships fall apart, you know, simply because of that. So it is a very, very important virtue. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And and as well you know adults when when we speak to you know in our workplace or let's say we are conducting workshops or in our workplace when we are with our employees we tend to be able to use this tact this virtue of tact mm-hmm. but somehow when we are with our loved ones um or with our children there is there's there's a choice that that we basically i guess let our guard down a little bit do you feel that that's the case absolutely and i think you know we we feel that we can say whatever we like to our children um mm. because we are the parents instead of r- reminding ourselves that in order to educate our children which education mm. means to bring forth. And we are here right. to really, as parents, to be not dictators, but to be guide and counselor. But what happens at times, I feel, is that we forget who mm. we are in relation to our children. And those mm-hmm. words that we speak are very powerful. Mm. However, for some reason, as parents, we think that it's okay to speak to mm. our children not in a kind way sometimes and not in mm-hmm. an encouraging or empowering way. Mm. So, yes, absolutely. But we do we do have a lot of self-discipline and tact when it comes to our colleagues and when it comes to other people. And that's, that's the crux of the, of the discussion today, feelings and vulnerability. In fact, Mojgan, a school that I went to in Australia, it's an all-boys school, Mm-hmm. recently released an issue of their magazine and on the cover it said being vulnerable allowing ourselves to be vulnerable and this is actually coming out of a boys boarding school mm-hmm. so you know with your knowledge and and working with families for a long time especially in this side of the world in our region i feel that many of us have grown up not expressing a ver- variety of these intense emotions with parents always asking us, you know, to stop crying or to grow up or, you know, you're a boy, don't cry. If if we are vulnerable, it's considered a weakness. Have you noticed this out here? Absolutely. I think I lived in uh, Singapore for many years and in, this, in mm. that part of the world. And I think it is just not uh, that part of the world. I think overall, uh, when you mm. look at um, how we have come to this point where the way we speak to the children is Mm -hmm. to tell them what they are not to be. For example, you're not to be shy. You Mm. are, uh, and then we also label them like you're stupid or you're lazy. Even Mm. words like that, sometimes you hear people say either Mm. out of anger or Mm. either out of not knowing what else to say. And we feel that when we communicate in this way, the result should be the opposite. So if I say to a child, you're not to cry because you're a boy or you're not to be shy because, Mm. you know, don't be shy. We feel that this will help them to overcome shyness. Mm. What we are really doing instead, and I think neuroscience shows that very clearly nowadays, is that words carry power and mm. negative words and negative mm. emotions have power in the way that they discourage. Mm. So it is not just that these feelings that we communicate 
or these, mm. these, these impressions that we communicate are not helpful, mm. they actually are the opposite. They create this negativity in us. And mm. um, as we grow up, this is then we begin to see ourselves with that, in that sense. I actually was just doing a workshop with some adults just two hours ago. Mm. And one of them said, I feel I don't have confidence. Mm. And then I said, does that mean you have confidence? However, you like to have more confidence. And mm. she cried. She said, mm. I, have, I was never told in my life mm. that I'm confident. I was always told I'm shy. I'm mm. good for nothing. So these words have power and we need yeah. to use them in a positive way rather than in a negative to then expect the positive. Yeah, that's so powerful, Mojgan. It's, it's, it's amazing even as uh, facilitators, you know, several times when I've done this uh, shaming to naming activity mm. and um, the emotion that just comes out from, from individuals, they're just overwhelmed by emotion. How much of this has actually been suppressed in their mind? You know, the fact that they were actually called lazy or, or you know, fat or um, naughty or what what have you, and and it's just been it's it's been with them this whole time, just under the surface. And the moment we actually bring it out, they're overwhelmed by emotion, as as you described um, the lady earlier. Yes, absolutely. Do you feel that this is changing with time? Is it improving with time because of an awareness now? That's such a good question, Richard. Over the years, mm. what I notice is that uh, as parents, we want to do the best by our children because mm. we love our children. We want to do the best. What happens is we do not have the tools to know mm. how to communicate and, and the importance of how we go about saying to our children what we say. And I mm. find for myself when I had three children and I was at a loss, like I knew what I really wanted for my children, but I didn't have the tools. Mm. And, uh, and I realized that what I was doing and the way I was speaking to my children was the way I was brought up. Mm. That's all I knew. And when mm -hmm. I came across the Virtuous Project, it gave me the strategies and the tools to change that in mm. a positive way. And I mm. think parents are a lot more aware of mm -hmm. the negative language that we use. At times, I feel they don't have the tools. And right. what happens is either when we get angry, we resort to what we know, which is, you mm -hmm. know, don't be shy. Why are you crying? You're so stupid. All this language or the positive language becomes, oh, you're wonderful, you're great, you're fantastic, you're amazing, which is also not a clear language. Because if I say you're good, what does that mm. good mean? What is it that I'm mm. trying to say? And, and so the next I time you don't say it, there is that insecurity. Exactly. How come I didn't? Yeah, yeah. And so I think parents want to change because we have a lot more awareness However, I think we just don't know how to or what language to use or what does it mean when we say positive, empowering language as opposed to negative, shaming language. Yeah, absolutely. And, and comparing as well, isn't it, like between siblings, like I feel like as if parents, they, they want to motivate a child and when they use the sibling as as the, the the subject, I guess, you know, for, for motivation, or why can't you be more like her, or why can't you be more like him? It doesn't necessarily help. No, I remember doing that with my kids, with my two boys. Mm. And as mm. when you have two children, you realize how different they are. And uh, so you tend to compare, and depending on which one, you kind of feel more you know, you feel, oh, they're doing the right thing or you feel more comfortable with. And I realized that I was constantly comparing the two of them. And mm. when I uh, learned about the virtues and the virtues project, I realized 
we are all born with all these virtues within us. Mm-hmm. And so some children, like my two boys, one was more responsible and motivated and enthusiastic, and the other one was very creative and um, very, you know, full of energy and wanted to learn things in a different way. And so the virtues, the qualities of character that they were mm. showing was very different but I would compare because society was telling me, oh, this, these qualities are better mm. because the child excels and the child is. And when I learned about the virtues, I realized the goodness in each of them in mm-hmm. their own way rather than Absolutely. what. And then I could also have the tools to say, okay, what is it that this child needs right now? What is it that this child needs right now? And and it was very empowering for me as a parent to be able to to look at each child every if, and and I was a teacher and look at my students and mm. instead of comparing really looking at the child and say what is it that this child needs and what mm. is it that this child is already showing and acknowledge those character qualities that the child was already showing. So it gives yeah. you a different lens with which you see um, every person in your life, be it your children, be it your friends, be it your students. Yeah. And I, I was reading recently Linda's uh, book, A Pace of Grace. And in there, she actually reflected on her own childhood as well. And she, there's a very interesting story in there about, you know, a comparison between her and her brothers. And as I read that, I have started to observe, you know, there are people around me, people that I can see. Even sometimes we work with so many children on a day-to-day basis, we can see that there is definitely sometimes, especially within siblings, you know, they grow up with certain insecurities. And uh, when they when they grow up or when you ask them about it, they'll say that one sibling was probably favored more than the other, or he was a favorite child or she was a favorite child. So it's always that kind of feeling or that kind of sentiment where I wasn't able to live up, you know, to that mm. to that uh, to that level. And that that feeling stays with you for a very long time and can be, you know, very damaging Absolutely. as well. Yes, it, ch- children and and children communicate their needs in many different ways, Moshkin, and a lot of the times you you can't expect them to be tactful, right? They when 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 they have a desire to lean for support, we don't expect them to say, you know, I need to speak to you or or come running and crying to you and say, can we please have a minute? They're not going to be very tactful about it. Sometimes <laughs> they, they ask for love in very unloving ways. Yes. So what what should parents really look out for? You know, when can we sense that there is a need or that invisible hand that's actually reaching out for help? What are the signs or what are the signals that something's not right here? I need to, you know, sit down and and speak to my child. I think one of the most important thing, and as I'm, you know, getting on in life and look at parents and look at children, and I realize what is most important is to be present Mm. to our children. Ah. You know, a lot of times we don't even allow them to tell us what they are really feeling, what Mm. really happened. I have recently been watching um, some of these parents who've done the Virtues Project and and they're really aware of how to, and conscious of how to go Mm. about their their parenting. And I'm just Mm. so amazed how much these children, they're able to tell us, but we just need to give them that time. So if a child, Mm -hmm. for example, has had, you know, an accident or falls or drops a plate or, uh, you know, just accidentally something happens, Mm. then instead of right away punishing them or telling them off or telling them how terrible they are and naughty they are, just be patient and ask them what happened. How can mm. we fix this? And some, a lot of times children will tell you, you know, th- that, you know, accidentally this happened. Or maybe if they fall and they, you know, they have a cut, instead of mm. telling them, you know, oh, it's okay, you're a big boy, it will go away and naughty, naughty floor. Instead, mm. just sit with them. Let mm. them cry. It's okay for them Mm. to cry. We all, you know, when we are hurt, we want to 
for someone to really sit next to us and, and be present. And mm. then ask them what happened. How mm. can we how can we help this child? We can say, well, how can I help you with this right now? What would be mm. helpful? And just give them a bit of space to talk and to share with you how they're feeling. Mm-hmm. I think that is so important and it doesn't matter how old they are. I think yeah. even if a one-year-old falls or has an accident, just be present. Yeah. That I yeah. feel is something we don't do enough of. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And and ch- children children are quite different. I've shared with you stories of 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 my son as well, Moshkin. Like today, he he's he's a very active boy, and he's obviously you know he's he's fallen here and there when he when he plays outside and stuff like that. And then the the complete opposite with me. In fact, I want to be present, and mm. you know my wife she wants to be present and she wants to you know ask him how he's doing if if something goes wrong. But somehow it's it's a nature versus nurture thing. We we haven't uh, said anything to lead him to believe that he needs to be this way. But he has this tough guy image in him. Mm-hmm. You know, if 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 we ask him, "Are you okay?" He shrugs himself off, and he and and now initially he would never respond, and we would never understand why. And now he gets even more frustrated. He said, "Don't ask me that. Don't mm-hmm. ask me that." So. Even this morning, just this morning, I saw there was a mark. I said, oh, you've, you've just, is this a fresh fall or you've recently fallen? I said, are you okay? Does that hurt? Don't ask me that. So that's when I decided to sit down and say, okay, look, you're, I'm, I'm your dad. I obviously want to be caring. Do you want to have a caring dad? And he's like, yeah, of course, you know, dad, you know, I want you to be caring. I said, that's great. But this is the way I show care. I care for you. So I'm going to ask you if you're okay. Now, you obviously don't like to hear that. But I want to ask you the question. So tell me how you would, how would you like me to ask you the question? Mm. And and he just rephrased it. He said, "You can ask me. Am I feeling fine?" Right. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. From this point on, I'm not gonna say, "Are you okay?" I'll ask, "Are you feeling fine?" And and he's yeah. fine with that. Oh, <laughs> so I don't know what lovely. it is, but <laughs> he just wants a different language. You know. You see, the way you spoke to him, Richard, is so helpful because you've Mm. asked him you've clearly stated that the reason because you're also being vulnerable right there and Mm. you're saying this is how I'm feeling I want to communicate with you I Mm. care about you this Mm. is the reason I'm asking you this question how would Mm. you like me to communicate with you and then he tells Mm. you so it's a really respectful relationship Mm. to listen to each other and to also mm. communicate how you're feeling because you're feeling, how can I say this in a different way? How can I share with him that I really care? Mm. And, and you say that to him in a, in a respectful, mm. gentle, tactful way. And then he tells you yeah. what he feels. And that is a really right. um, beautiful relationship right there. Yeah, no, I loved it. I I just loved that conversation. You know, it, it, some some moments just leave you smiling from ear to ear. You know, the fact that he wants to take responsibility of what's being said to him. But uh, Moshkin, diverting away a little bit, what's a red flag for a family? You know, as educators, sometimes we feel like as if eighty percent of our time goes towards twenty percent of the kids or ten percent of the kids. But I used to always be concerned about kids that generally don't speak up at all, even if they get the grades, you know. And I, I kind of remember if if you watch Modern Family, Alex, and do you watch Modern yes, Family? Yes, yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. So, so, you know, Alex, right? Always yes. intelligent, always smart. And, yes. and I know, I know, I know they, 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 they take a comic, it's a sort of, a, there's a comedy element to it. The fact that as she grows up, uh, she always makes it look like as if well nobody needs to ask her anything because you know right. she everybody feels that she can take care of herself. But the reality of it is, there are a lot of Alexes, you know, yeah. always intelligent, always smart, but not necessarily emotionally um, fulfilled. Mm-hmm. So. What are the signs for a family, you know, for, for when communication isn't great, you know, for your Alexes, you know, we can't, we can't abandon them. We need to also create opportunities where we need to talk to them. That's right. For me, I think, and speaking from my own experience, when 
you know, you have a child who is Alex and you have a child who, you know, gets a C and says, oh, I, I really like letter C and I don't need to really do more. So I think it is those moments. And I feel because there is so much emphasis on excellence in education that we forget to really be present to our children through, mm. you know, as they're growing up. I remember mm. when I used to run workshops in Singapore, one of the things that parents, I would always ask parents is, how much have you been talking to your children? And what do you say? And they would mm. laugh, but it was a laughter, which is not, it was kind of a <laughs> reflective laughter to say, the only thing we talk about is the child come, my child comes home and say, and I say, have you done your homework? And uh, yeah. depending on what they're going to say, I would then respond, why haven't you done your homework or good boy? And that is as far as we go sometimes, speaking to our children. And I think mm. every one of them, regardless of whether they are Alex's or they are not, what we mm. need is just have those moments of sitting around and talking about life. And, mm. and you know, when you look at some of the ways some educators, some of the notions of education you read about now is that do sit around the table and talk about what was difficult today, for example, for you, instead of mm -hmm. saying, you know, what did you do at school? Mm. And the child is mm. like nothing because you ask the same question every day. However, yeah. How are you? Fine. How's yeah. everything? Good. Good. Yeah. What did you do? Mm. Nothing. But instead, mm -hmm. ask those meaningful questions from the time they're mm. very young and don't wait mm. until they are 12, 13 and they've stopped talking to you. Ask them mm. when they're two and go around the table and say, well, what was difficult to you, for you today? What was challenging? What were you grateful mm. about today? Mm. What, what was the most joyful moment today? So mm. questions where you really go beyond just studies and homework, but mm. about you as a person. I care about yeah. you. And that yeah. only happens if we really have conversations that are beyond and above homework and school. It is about small things sometimes. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's what I feel like sometimes when we spoke about we spoke about tact earlier and how we apply it in certain situations and not, and not in others. You know, we know how we would like to be spoken to as well. And sometimes we feel like as if our children, you know, are, are not necessarily awarded the same privilege, you know. So so we need to award them that same privilege and see them as, as you know, human beings rather than humans that are just necessarily supposed to do things and, and achieve things. They, we, they, they are also being something, you know, at the same time. Yes. And and the more and more we we sit with them, we we have moments of reflection. You know, we honor our spirits. We 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 go for walks. We appreciate things together. Then it sort of leaves room for the deeper conversations, right? We we can't sort of just get to the conversation straight away. That's right. That's right. And yeah. and do have those conversations. And once you know about when you begin to see the virtues and qualities of character in your children mm. and in yourself then those become very meaningful conversations. For example, if your child has spoken to you in a disrespectful manner and today he comes and speaks to you in a gentle and respectful manner, say mm. that to him, acknowledge mm. him. And so when mm. you begin to speak like that with your children, then naturally there is that relationship that is being nurtured because it is a, 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 a relationship of care and presence and concern mm. and tact. Mm. And that becomes a, a very meaningful and rich relationship. Mm. And we, we will get to know our children. I feel a lot of times we don't know them really because we don't have these conversations. So it will be yeah. very helpful to bring those and elements into our relationships. Yeah. Yeah. And, and if you look at it from the child's perspective as well, you know, the, the child will start believing that the only thing, you know, 
mom is interested in or dad is interested in yeah. is how well I do rather yeah. than how I actually am. So that's right. the child also is is not going to be so open to, to share because the child doesn't feel like as if you're interested in actually what's going on in their life. And this is where I feel sometimes it gets, gets a little serious. So we spoke earlier, uh, you mentioned that, you know, speak to your child, even if your child is two. Now, let's say a listener listening to this, you know, has their aha moment and says, what am I doing? And and they're left inspired and, and they feel like as if they, they, they want to restart, like a lot of things are being resetted, I guess, during the pandemic, right? Yes. So now let's say that parent has a teenager and they've never really had that relationship. How are they going to start? Because surely if a mom or a dad goes into a room right now with a teenager who they usually don't converse with about anything other than outcomes, mm-hmm. they're going to face initial resentment. They're going to be like, what's on about, you know, what do you want from me? Yes. Something is not right here. That kind of thing, right? So so I guess I want you to briefly take us on a journey of how we need to be purposeful and steadfast because we are going to face that resistance if we haven't done it before. Yeah, absolutely. You know, Richard, I find we need to have a lot of confidence and courage mm. in the way we go about parenting. And that mm-hmm. confidence comes when we have awareness of choosing to speak differently to our children and see our children differently. Mm. I would say first to begin to see them differently. So, for example, my teenager who I think is not listening to me and is always stubborn and doesn't like to be with me and all that, begin to see the qualities of his character. Mm. Is he orderly in his, you know, the way he sets up his room? Is mm. he helpful in the way he puts away his the dishes? Is he mm. kind the way he speaks to his friend? Does he help? Mm. So begin to look at the qualities that he's already mm. showing. And I don't think there is a child that will not have any qualities. Absolutely. So when we begin to see those qualities, mm. then we will begin to speak to them in that manner. And I think we need to have that humility to also Mm. say to our children, look, I'm learning about this and I have never noticed before or have said to you how how thankful I am when Mm. you come home and we sit around and we kind of Mm. chat about the day or, or that you, I can see in you, um, mm. perseverance in the way you've been doing your math and it's not easy for you. Mm. So to really gain their trust mm. and then allow them to also see your humility and vulnerability, that you as a parent are trying to really change the way you're speaking, change mm. the way you're seeing the other person. Mm. And I think teenagers are very... We always kind of in society, we think they're difficult and, we, you know, however, I feel teenagers are just such, it's such a, a good age to really be able to connect and have a trusting yeah. relationship with them. But it yeah. takes confidence. It takes courage on mm-hmm. our part as parents to, and humility to say, look, I'm speaking to you differently because I, I'm learning that. This is who you are. And I've never said that to you. Mm. I recently had a workshop, sorry, Richard, with parents with teenagers. And they they Mm. were the most humble parents. And they were like, this is how we usually speak to him. And he gets really upset. But they changed the way they spoke to their uh, 16-year-old. And the change Mm. in their relationship was just unbelievable. Yeah. No, I love love everything that you said because – it, it, you know, if we're expecting them to share how they feel, then we need to be vulnerable too. And I hear that so loud and clear from what you said, that we need to have courage. We need to have humility. Yes. We need to share with them that this is something new for us. And, and, and it's an investment, isn't it? If you're not going to put, you know, words or, or money in, in the virtues bank, so to speak, then we're not, so, we're not going to get those returns. Absolutely. So before, before we can actually get them to do anything, we have to acknowledge them for who they are and how things are going right for them as well. Yeah. So 
very, very powerful stuff. Mojgan, I know in some of the exercises, you know, that, that sometimes we do with parents, we spoke about some of those words earlier, like naughty and, and, and lazy and you know, irresponsible or what have you. Now, the intent of each of these expressions were good. So now we've got these parents who are, you know, listening and hopefully saying, well, yes, okay, I get it, but what can I do? So how can we advise these parents to positively speak to their children about their desired behavior? So let's run through maybe, you know, two to three examples. So let's say what we always say to a child is, you know, don't be lazy, mm-hmm. right? So what was the intent behind it and what can they do? What, how can they say it? So I think first, and this was for me, I think we need to change our paradigm. So mm-hmm. when we talk about virtues, and, and again, we are not talking about good or wonderful or all those, those praising words. We're talking about qualities of character. And I think we need to acknowledge and believe that every one of us, every child is like a mind rich in gems. They already are mm. born with these virtues or qualities in them. I used to tell my students, you know, these virtues are like your uh, muscles, but spiritual Mm. muscles or character muscles, because every child is born with those muscles. What we Mm. do throughout our lives, we develop them and we strengthen them. And we, with our virtues, we, like a gem, we find it, we polish it. And so... If we Mm. really look at every child and say, Mm. I know that you have those spiritual muscles. I know you have Mm. all those virtues. So Mm. instead of me looking at my child and say, oh, he's so stupid. Instead Mm. of looking at him that way, I need to Mm. change it and say, he needs to be more self-disciplined. So I would say, this is, when you need to really practice your self-discipline, the way you're Mm. speaking to your friend or you just hit your brother, you need to use your self-discipline right there instead of saying, why are you so stupid? Mm. Or Mm. if I say, Mm. oh, don't be shy. You hear parents tell the children, Mm -hmm. you're so Mm. shy. Why are you you so shy? Don't be shy. Mm. So every Mm. uh, one of those sentences emphasizes Mm. that Mm. the child is shy the intent is they want the child to be courageous or confident (laughs) so say that to them say Mm. what will help you to be confident when you have to Mm. sing in front of your friends and i love i love how you said what will help you to be or how can i help you to be yes. i think a lot of the times you know we we expect that kids are you know born with this yes they they are born with it but we need to sort of mine it as the, the gardener versus the carpenter yes right Absolutely. we need to be able to help them and and to nurture it out of them because the potential is there. So how can we be of service to our child and how can we help them? And I I told this to a parent once. I said, you know, wouldn't we love it if we had no idea that someone was coming home and we were suddenly just shoved into their faces Mm. and say, come on, say hi, give them a hug. (laughs) And then when, and, and, and when we don't want to do it, because of course it's awkward and uncomfortable. And quite a lot of the times our children don't know the order of the day. They're, they're going around happily doing whatever they're doing. And suddenly a guest comes home Mm. because they weren't involved in the process, you know, quite, quite, quite a lot of the time that's what happens. And then the guest comes home and we shove the kid in there and say, say hi to auntie, say hello to auntie, come on, give, give her a hug. And when the child doesn't do it, we say, oh, he's shy. Come on, why are you mm. so shy? Well, they've, they've, they've had no warning. <laughs> they've had no guidance, no preparation. Yes. And we would never want to be placed in that situation, let alone a six-year-old or seven-year-old, which, by the way, is a fantastic defense mechanism because you shouldn't be going and hugging strangers, <laughs> as yes. far as I'm concerned. <laughs> you see, so the parent, this example is a really good example. The parent, before the auntie comes to their house, it says, auntie's uh-huh. coming today. I 
I need you to show courtesy and confidence. Yes. And when they go and then teach them, show them what does courtesy show look them. like. You yep. look them in the eye, you shake hands, whatever you feel courtesy looks like. And I mm. know you can be confident with auntie, look them in the eye and say hello to them. You know, mm. this could be a three-year-old and doesn't mm. know what confidence means. Show mm. them because mm. I know you can be confident the way you speak mm. to daddy. Look how you look them in the eye and you speak so yeah. confidently. And so, mm. of course, this will not change overnight. Yes. What we are doing is we are helping the child to gradually mine the gem and mm. gradually polish the gem. And I've seen this over and over again with children. When you begin to point to them the virtue they need to practice or point to them when they have shown the virtue, a mm -hmm. few days later or a few weeks later, they come and they tell you, oh, look how confident I am and the way I speak, yes. or confident and the way mm. I look at you. They internalize it and they mm. work towards it. So mm. you're doing exactly what you need to do because our responsibility is to use these moments, which we call in the Virtuous Project, teachable moments. We right. recognize what's needed we either guide or acknowledge or correct through the virtue so the child knows exactly what is it that they're working on. Maybe not exactly, mm. but at least in life, those moments become moments that life is for learning and for growing. Mm. And we are mm. actually facilitating that as parents. Yeah, not to forget that when a child actually, after receiving our guidance, when a child actually goes ahead and does it, that we shouldn't forget to acknowledge them. Mm -hmm. A lot of the times I feel like parents are secretly very proud and smile on the inside when their child does them proud, you know, because we are more interested to see what the reaction of the adult is yes. based on what our child has done. But the child also needs to, you know, get that pat on the back and says, you know, I saw you. You were being very courteous, you know, and, yes. and, and you were very confident when you spoke to auntie. So, so well done. Yes, so that's, that's, really that's, important that's really important to, to mm. acknowledge them after they have done. It is, you know, like you and me and as adults, we take on challenging situations. And mm. somebody, your your um, boss comes to you or your friend comes to you and says, that was really confident the way you spoke. Now, that mm. makes a huge difference to us than Absolutely. if somebody said, well, you know, you could have or not say anything. So you <laughs> need to go back and say, well, that was confident the way you spoke to auntie today. Right. Right. Yeah. I just imagine you're, you're standing there in front of a meeting, delivering a powerful presentation and your boss is on the side with your fingers crossed and just, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. great. Good. <laughs> well, yes. What does that mean? <laughs> Did I do good? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. No, very, very important. Mojkin, how can we create an environment in our homes where children are able to express themselves and have healthy relationships with their families? And I guess I'm leaning towards maybe one or two examples of routines and rituals mm -hmm. that we can have to ensure that we communicate with one another with empathy, compassion, and with respect. And especially with, with you know, children who are getting a little bit older now and are sensing with siblings that, that fairness and justice, you know, comes into play, whether we're being treated the same way. So what kind of routines and rituals can we have together as a family to make sure that we can express ourselves effectively and, and we love and we appreciate one another? Some of the things, that, there is a strategy in the Virtuous Project called honoring the spirit. It is how do we mm. nurture ourselves, nurture relationships, nurture mm. meanings in our life because, mm. you know, days come and days go and we do what we do. However, to mm. really consciously create moments where family comes together. And do we mm. have those moments? If we don't, we need to really consciously bring those moments into our lives. Families mm. start by just maybe having dinner together and have 
a bit of sharing about those, as I said, those meaningful questions. Some mm. parents, depending on the, the age of the children, will pick a virtue together once a week and they talk mm. about what is the virtue, how can we all use it this week. Mm. And even teenagers would be quite open to this. You can just mm. you know, ask them to pick a virtue and what does it mean in, in their lives and how can they mm. each show it in different ways. You can also create weekly, for example, going out, depending, of course, where we live, mm. to actually spend time together and look at the beauty of nature and all kinds of different things that are more meaningful and bring mm. those moments into our lives. Mm. And also really seeing the good in our children. I feel by just telling them how mm. we see them and acknowledging them for what they show, that itself mm -hmm. really nurtures relationships that at least allows every member of, of the family to feel they are loved and they mm. are they are and there is that openness that they can talk. Mm. Um, mm. So those moments that we need to just begin to shift our paradigm a little bit and say mm. what what how can I bring these virtues into our day-to-day -day life, into my own life as well as parents? How do mm. we speak to ourselves, for example? How mm. can these virtues help us with the way we see ourselves? And, and I think that so openness so was, yeah, I think that openness was um, really important as well, that whenever we start hearing and listening to our, you know, kids express themselves as well, that we should be prepared, you know, not to do that with a judgmental, in, in, in a judgmental way, whether through our body language or, or through words, you know, I think we need to be prepared to listen to what they're saying first and, and, and reserve our, our judgments for later you know, where, where we may have to have a one-on-one -on -one conversation with them, where it, we, we may have to apply tact again mm -hmm. and, 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 and discern when to speak and when to be silent and maybe choose, you know, to do it at a later time. I, I have a friend who has two daughters and he shared with me once that he has a date night for each daughter. So, you know, that, that fairness and justice, again, really shines out there because they're, they're at different ages. And always what's going to happen is depending on their personalities, one person's going to dominate the, the discussion over the other as well. So he makes sure that he has those date nights so that the younger one who is a little bit more, uh, I, I guess, has a more peaceful demeanor and does not necessarily, you know, want to speak up, that she also gets her time. And maybe she prefers to speak when there's not a lot of noise. That'd be which, good which, idea. Yeah, which I thought was really, really special yes. as well. Yes. As we conclude, Moshkin, you very well know what the cards are. I'm going to flip <laughs> it and read the, the, the practice of tact. And when I finish, I guess I just would like um, you to take maybe one or two of those statements and reflect on it in, in light of the conversation that we've, we've had today. Sure. So... The practice of tact. I tell the truth kindly and gently. I reflect on how my words influence others. I think before I speak. I do not allow anger to control me. I discern when to speak and when to be silent. I use courteous language. So yes, one or two of those statements maybe in light of the conversation that we've had today that you'd like to emphasize on? I think it's very hard to choose one or two because each one is uh, so tell meaningful. Me. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. But I think I will go with, I do not allow anger to control me. I think it is mm. a level of tact and also detachment. When we are angry, mm. discern when to speak and not mm. allow anger to control us. And the other mm. one, which is really beautifully said here, is I tell the truth kindly and gently. I think right. when we do want to communicate with our children, you, we need to be gentle in the way we tell mm. the truth. We, mm. we don't need to lose control. It can be said in a beautiful, tactful, and gentle way. 
And I would go yeah. with those two as a way of communicating with our loved ones. Absolutely. I, I like, I discern when to speak and when to be silent. And, and I know I just mentioned it uh, just before, but I think it's really important, like even with children and, and between spouses as well, that there's this constant need somehow for us to, to, you know, have a language where we are able to prove ourselves right and the other one wrong. There's this whole debate and argumentative kind of, you know, atmosphere. And we all know too well that when we, when we get into those kind of conversations, you know, what will happen is the, it ends up being worse than it actually was before it started. So being able to respond to a situation, saying what you need to say and just, I guess if you have nothing nice to say, don't say it. Mm. And, and then choosing another time where we are in a better space to be able to, as you, as you suggested, you know, tell the truth kindly and, and gently. That's what resonates with me. Yes. Yeah. And, and of course, the affirmation, Moshkan. So you're yes. uh, welcome to, you're welcome to repeat after me. Yes. I'm, I'm thankful for the gift of tact. I'm thankful for the gift of tact. It sweetens my relationships. It sweetens my relationships. That's beautiful. Beautiful. Moshkan, thank you, thank you, thank you for your generosity, your enthusiasm. Your, your, you know, when, whenever I speak to you, that sense of calmness that you have, it, it feels like as if the wisdom of so many years is coming out in such a beautiful way. And I've worked with you three times now, uh, you know, and your service uh, to the community by being so purposeful and agreeing to do this as well. I really appreciate it and deep gratitude. Thank you so much. Thank you very much for your idealism as well, Tan Richard. I really appreciate uh, all that you're doing to help all of the parents and teachers that we know. So I appreciate this time. Thank you. Thank you, Moshkan. Moshkan, how can they, how, if our listeners want to get in touch with you, how can they find you? Where, sure. What's the best way to get in touch? So I, you, they can look for worldofvirtues.com mm-hmm. and yeah. all that information about what I do and parenting workshops and teachers' workshops is all there. And they can just send me an email yes. and we'll be in touch. Excellent. Yeah, I can definitely vouch for the workshops. And it's a wonderful, beautiful website with calm and peaceful colors, just exactly like Moshgan's personality. It's beautiful. So please, please head on to worldofvirtues.com and see all the great work that Moshgan is doing. A lot of it is online now, isn't it, Moshgan? So very accessible. A lot of it. We are all in lockdown for now. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) And uh, as far as as I'm concerned, you can look me up on Twitter and Instagram on rsiddhartha. That's R-S-I-D-H-A-R-T-A and on our Facebook and Instagram pages at Family of Virtues. Please subscribe, tune in again next time, and God bless us all. Thank you. Thank you.